city. It is this sprawling massive place miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets. Gaming NBS episode 338, being recorded Monday, April 19th, 2021! Welcome to Gaming NBS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad you're all here. Sean, how are you, man? I'm well, Brett. How are you? Not bad. I was doing good until the start of the show and <laughs> made me feel bad about myself. I hope I didn't get you into a funk. That was definitely no. not Ow. my point. No, you didn't. I smoothed my neck funny. And I did, also didn't want to hurt you. <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> Stop hitting me. Um, <laughs> when I, my buddy Nick looked at me this last... Uh, Friday, we're oh Saturday. We had a Warhammer game, and he said, "Yeah, I think I could probably kick your ass right now." I said, "Yes, Nick, you can." I said, "Cause it hurt. It would hurt really bad to fight back." He's like, "Oh, well, I might have to try that." Like, Why would you do that? He goes, "I don't know. Something to do." Like, well, God, he my could friends have are been wanting people. to do that for years, Brett, and just never <clears throat> has had the opportunity. Well, now the door is open. Yeah, exactly. You know, so <laughs> it could well be just. It's not that I haven't probably deserved to get my ass kicked by my friends every once in a while. I could probably deserve it. But anyway, apart from that, I had um, last Friday, Nick kicked off his uh, uh, WEG D6 Star Wars game, West End Games, old school. So we did that. That was kind of fun. He said he wanted to scrap the Conan game, the 2D20. He really wanted to run Star Wars again. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Do that thing. So we're doing that. That's kind of fun. And Saturday was a Great big Warhammer battle. I lost, but it was still fun. Can you please refer to it with your friends as Warhamster in the future? That would I will be, do that. That would make, just tell them like, hey, Sean is, you can put it on me. Hey, Sean has <clears throat> asked me to refer to this game as Warhamster. 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 You know, that's, like you know where that. that's from, don't you, Brett? Yes, that is a uh, John Kabalik. It, it very yeah. much is, yes. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, what else was going to say? Oh, I have, um... Oh, and last week I ran my Greyhawk game. That was fun. First edition of D&D. That was a good time. So how many sessions um, are you in to the Greyhawk game? God, it's got to be... Give or take. Seven. Oh, okay. Five, five, five seven of them. Something like so that, probably right? like 50 plus hours, I'm guessing. Well, I mean, it's every other week oh. from like seven online. So it's like from seven to ten. Oh, okay. So shorter sessions. I thought they were the Much weekend. Shorter sessions. I thought they were the weekend marathoners. No, 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 no. One of the things that's kind of interesting is uh, Nick is like, I don't know if I like the online gaming as much. You know, wish we game all the time in person. And a couple of us who have day jobs and stuff are like, I can't do that, dude. It's much easier to like get shit done, sit down for a couple hours. And Lenny and I have both commented the uh, the amount of stuff we actually the laser focus for whatever reason that my group has online is so much better than when we're in person. 
Hmm. This Saturday, I have my Axis Mundi game and Lenny's Cthulhu game is on Friday. And those are in person. And there's going to be plenty of opportunity for... I don't mean to stop the game for a second, but let me tell you about this fish I caught. I don't mean to stop this. Hang on. That reminds me. Have you seen this movie? And where it's going to happen. That none of that side talk happens online. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's hard to talk over the top of each other. It's hard to hear, you know. But the side conversations and the craziness of in-person gaming just doesn't happen with my group in line. <clears throat> online. Excuse me. But this week, tomorrow, Tuesday, AJ will run his 5e game. Uh, his mid, his uh, Midgard game. Set in Midgard. His, and he's running it for you. And my his sister, my daughter, Ilana. Yep. Okay. Just you. So you two as players. Just the two of us. Yeah. Yep. He did a... Uh, wait a minute. He, he, hey, wait a minute. So he's running that tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Uh-huh. So, uh, the reason I, I, I ask him point, and poke is because my during, when I was growing up, no, no D&D. Like, during the school year, no D&D during the week. Oh. Yeah, that was well, a it's big just that, thing. It, it's just at home. Sure. With us. Still. Nonetheless, yeah. you know. They're both getting straight A's. Alana skipped a grade. She's taking high school classes. <laughs> and of course. They have, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll, I'm, I'm not questioning I'll, your I'll, parenting, Brett. No, I'm no, no. Saying. I'm just saying, it had, had, did, if I were to have a discipline or a grade problem. Right, yes. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, there's... There's multi- this is one more hammer for the old man to drop with. Right, true. You know, this is one more privilege I could take away, you know, as needed. Yeah, go ahead and play you, that you're Xbox. Me. You're not playing D&D anymore. Exactly. I'll take away your Xbox, too. Um, I was going to say, oh, I, I don't know if I told you this. When he kicked off the game, we started off, Ilana and I are characters. Uh, I'm a dwarf. She's a dragonborn. We're arguing back and forth, having a little fun banter, talking. We get a job to go figure out what's happening to these dwarven caravans. And we interview one of the survivors, and he mentions this strange shadow flitting across the canyon walls. And I say, what did the shadow look like? Was it man-shaped? AJ looks at me with squint eyes. Yes. <laughs> and Lana goes, what is that? He said, I know what that is. She goes, how do you know what that is? He said, I've been doing this for a very long time and know what that monster is. AJ's like, don't say anything. He said, I'm not going to say anything. Not he needs you to let turn me. it on its head. I hope you're wrong, Brett. I wasn't. It was a Periton. Oh. <laughs> That's a goddamn Periton. Gotta have a talk with that kid. All right, here's the but deal. He, he, but he made me roll an Arcana check before I could say anything. He's like, uh, you have to roll an Arcana check. Your wizard has to make an Arcana check to see if he knows it. You can know it, Dad, but your wizard might not. So, okay. okay. I'm so glad he's you. schooling you. Oh, he is. He's keeping <laughs> me honest. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, man? You played a little uh, Merkberg. I did play I did play Merkberg. I took on, took on the role as Vemet. Vemet. Uh, so Vemet, um, I have it a scar on my eye. And uh, well, there was special wording, of course. So I had a scarred eye, and I was short-sighted or whatever, and I had a patch over one eye. And I was a, a gutter scum. That was my class kind of thing. And And... Of course, then at the beginning of the game, Harrigan's like, you're cursed. And, and he, everybody's got a role to see how, how the curse has manifested itself in your particular character. And, of course, mine was that my nose was not only rotted, uh, but if it was gone, like rotted off. Oh, so I had okay. no nose. Wow. Yeah. Gabe's was like half of his nose. Right. The other guys like had like, you know, I think it was Jim's character, his ears or something. And then Michael's was something else. So, yeah, I had gone from wanting to do Cockney accent all day to <laughs> talking like this the whole game. <laughs> you have no nose. 
with some <laughs> weird breathing. Uh, so That's yeah, awesome. there'll be a link in the die roll to check out the YouTube um, video of the actual play and want to give obviously a big uh, thanks to Harrigan for taking the time to run and Gabe and Michael and Jim to accompany me in the realm of Merkburg. How, yeah, uh, how are the mechanics really fun? Yeah, so the mechanics typically are a it's a D20 and it's a target number. It's like a DR. And then, of course, the cool. DR can kind of go up or down depending. But it's usually fixed and that's it. And it's player facing. Um, and then you have even a defense role. Like, I, th- I believe that's how it went. Harrigan's like in the chat probably going to correct me a million times. Which is fine. But uh, even like when you are attacked, it's not, I don't think it's even that they attack, it's you defend. Yep, it's the same with uh, Simba Room. If, um, when, I, when the bad guy attacks your character, you rolled your d20 under your stat or whatever, plus minus, you know, <clears throat> whatever yeah. the variables are. So, so cool. it's, it, yeah, I almost, I almost died. Um, I, I did hit zero hit points. And when you hit zero hit points, you have a 1d4 roll and if you roll four you die outright otherwise the other things are you know you're you're going to die or you sit there mumbling and you can you know you'll be awake or conscious in so many hours or whatever the case is so there's a those mechanics but it's very light thematic mechanics i assume yeah oh yeah yeah um it, it, it it's it is on the it's on the grotesque well it's usually on the grotesque side of things and the uh like rob schwab yes demon lord grotesque yes okay. yes so take shadow of the demon lord uh although i haven't read it personally but i think it's that plus the trade dress but lighter rules so i think rob and i've mentioned this on our discord without playing all of his games i think it's safe to say because this is a fact is rob has worked for wizards he's worked for green ronin he's worked for the more traditional the companies that put out more traditional product Shadow yes. of the Demon Lord, right, is his own, but it's it's not the same. So so I think he has the, you know, Shadow of the Demon Lord, 10 sessions, it's an entire campaign. Um, he's got some D20 roots. And so with Merc Borg being OSR, then I think it's it's a little different. Cool. Yeah. Very but cool. yes, it was an interesting experience. Definitely, for sure. I, I enjoyed myself. Would you do it again? I would probably do it again with another group. Uh, I don't know. B- buying it intrigues me because it, you know, Harrigan, me- I don't have the book, but Harrigan mentioned that if you are wanting to buy the book and have everything in like a very nice, neat, formatted style, you read the contents, here's all this, it's laid out really nice and mm. proper, equivalent to something like Old School Essentials, which is the attempt of making BX readable. It's like the Osric, right? Brett like appreciates Osric yep. because it takes AD and D and puts it all in an order that you can understand. Oh yeah, yeah. It's much it's much more straightforward to read through, yes, by far. Right. And so with Merck Borg, it is a lot of artistic expression within the realm of the book. And so it's different tables that that, you know, you flip a page it's kind of like some of these zines right you flip a page the page is completely different looking than the page prior and how it's visually shocking or visually discordant yes yes there we go okay cool yeah um so yeah i 
I think it would be a great one shot or maybe small campaign arc to 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 kind of live it up, but um you gotta be in that space too, right? It's not yeah. like D D can be that, but it's Oh yeah, yeah. You'd have to you'd have to do some you'd have to do use some muscle to make a D and D do that, right? <clears throat> you, you, which it could it do it? Yeah. Right. But this is thematically dressed and uh set to do that this yeah i just cool. picture it as a world where the sun is never present it's always a night like <laughs> you know it's noon and it's dark as shit out and you know huh interesting yeah so anyways interesting. i had a good time and i appreciate everybody that played uh and that was it. So then tomorrow night I play Delta Green and eventually Star Wars come across. Mothership. I'm I'm a miss. So one of the guys. Oh, had, that's right. You forgot. No, I for, forgot. Forbidden, Forbidden Lands. Lands. Forbidden Lands I was supposed to play Thursday, but we were down a character in Session Zero. I'm saying, well, I'd run any, anyway, but I guess I backtracked on that. Phil was nice enough to say, hey, I'll run Ypsilon 4 if you guys want to play Mothership. And so we got Mothership going. And oh, nice. Phil ran that, and it was great. I played uh, Dr. Charles uh, Sanders, I think was his last name, Saunders. Brandon, Bran, Bran, Branson, <laughs> Charles Branson. I'm getting all my characters mixed up. Charles uh, Bronson, got it. Charles yeah. Branson. Yeah, yeah. You had a death wish. I got it, I got it. Well, <laughs> I you had heard, a death wish. I, I thought of four, Bronson, maybe and then four I had death to, wishes total. Yeah. <laughs> I had Bronson, okay. but I had to change it. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, that was fun. And Phil did a really good job of that and did it like last minute. Like, hey, I'll do this if you guys want to. And we ran with it. And Harrigan played uh, the Android. And uh, yeah, that was. And then Kevin played uh, what, Teamster. He played like a 19 year old Teamster. Like, hey, want to play Xbox and shit like that. It was pretty, <laughs> That's awesome. pretty hilarious. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, Jace. Uh, so yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I think I would run that module. I have it. I've never read it, thank God. But uh, I'm gonna probably maybe run that for the convention. Very cool. Game hall. So yep, there you go. That was my that I'm done. Awesome. I don't yeah. think I got anything else. We good? Yeah. Let's get in a random encounter. Do that. All right. Random encounter. Send me in the show where we feel these mails, voicemails, comments from social media. You. Brett. Brett always pokes at me the first one. Beer leaguer. Yeah. Beer Leaguer, oh, my scene doesn't switch, piss me off. All right. Beer Leaguer comments on Beyond Your Table. Sean and Brett, first off, thanks for the podcast and the community you've built and the rigor and hard work that goes into keeping a regular cadence of shows and fresh topics. You're welcome, sir. Absolutely. <clears throat> it's helped many of us stay connected to others who share common interests during a challenging year in isolation. The show has become my go-to Sunday soundtrack during a long walk or run, and Sean's Saturday morning forum feels a lot like Saturday morning cartoons used to feel. <laughs> I love it. That's actually high praise. Saturday morning cartoons was the highlight of my week when I was a kid. Then Pretty that's impressed. the way I shall embrace that. I would take it as such. Thank you. Thank you, Beer Leaguer. Uh, I always look forward to both. And I believe I speak for many BS, BSers in sharing our gratitude for these channels and for cultivating such an engaged and interesting community. Thank you, Beer Leaguer. And being a part of that, you contribute. So thank you very much. Absolutely. This is the first comment in the forums, too. Yes. From Beer Leaguer. So yeah. well, I appreciate yeah. you stepping up and feel, uh, writing into us like yeah. that. That's awesome. Uh, 
Sean and Brett. Uh, oh, here we go. All this dovetails into your Beyond Your Table topic from your most recent <clears throat> podcast. Everyone knows virtual role-playing has been rising, growing leaps and bounds this year especially, with platforms such as Roll20 and Foundry and others. Along with Wizards, Wizards of the Coast putting their full marketing weight behind online tools like D&D Beyond and Twitch, etc., everyone knows all this and yada yada. My question for you. Talk, having either of you experienced anything beyond an apples-to-apples -apples re recreation of the live role-playing experience virtually in this last year, as in one game master and a table full of players, with the GM largely doing all they are at all, all they are tasked with doing in a live setting. Yes, it would be my answer. I think. Yeah, I mean, when I run a game online, it's pretty much the only thing that's different is the uh, <clears throat> monitor, microphone, and the screen. It's the same game otherwise. If I'm using theater of the mind, it's theater of the mind. Yeah. Yeah, I don't do much different. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I could speak on, with, on behalf of Brett, too, in saying that if we're going to run a game online or in person, much of it is it, the only difference is the medium. Kind of maybe. Yeah, that's kind of how that's I, I try to approach it like that because I don't want to I like what I do and I like how I do it. You know, yeah, I'll try different things and someone will come up with a really good idea. Some of our listeners have pitched in some great ideas like, ooh, I want to try that 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 approach. So I'll try that. But I would do that online or in person. So I don't really nothing much different there. Yeah. I might not have the DM screen up in front of me on a virtual game. The only reason I do for uh it's because I need my table <laughs> in the uh, AD&D game. <laughs> right. I don't have that memorized anymore. Yeah. Uh, so and, and Brett was just talking about his group and how he's running. What was I going to go with that? Um, oh, the seriousness of or not. Oh, the focus. Yeah. You, you, yeah do you find it more that online, more focused than in person? Yeah, I think it's because the um, those of us who live in um, – the world of conference calls and so forth. You get two, three gamers in a room. Everyone starts talking on top of each other. They can't understand what's going on. What's that? You know, too much noise. Everyone just stops. One person's turn. Next person's turn. If anyone interrupts, they say, I'm sorry. And they back off. If you get six, the, the six or seven of us in an actual live in-person group, no one gives two shits. <laughs> They're interrupting the other person sometimes. It's kind of a bit of a free-for-all. And a lot of, hey, let me tell you about the movie I just saw type of thing. But on, online, it's like a laser focus for us. I don't know. Yeah. It just work, works really well. We have more done in two to three hours there than we do in five hours regular. I, I don't always experience the same thing. I have one guy who seems to just not. If you were to equate the same experience online to in person, my guy would get mm. up and walk away from the table. Really? Yeah, he he will sit at his computer and not you you won't know if they're engaged. So yeah, that drives me. That would drive me fucking bananas. So you're kind of like, hey, tap tap. What are you doing? Oh, playing a Do video wanna, game. But let me go ahead and tell you, you what my character's doing for the next hour. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, how, yeah. How about you don't show up to the game next week? Right. Anyway, carry on. I'm not necessarily talking about moving tokens around a virtual tabletop or those types of innovations. Fog of War, sound effects, interactive character sheets. I'm talking about a wholesale reinvention of role-playing experience taking full advantage of the remote nature of things. Hmm. Who's got an example? Here, read them up. 
for example, what if there were two game masters? One to handle the physical setting and NPCs, and a second to handle how characters may interpret their surroundings. Perception in all those tricky or problematic areas, or all that my, may come into a PC's mind, then left to the players to decide whether to share it or not, based on their PC's personality traits. As an example, it could play out like this. A second game master working independently of the main game master sends a direct message to a player that would say, for example, for a brief moment, you caught a glimpse of your travel companion's eyes, and they were as black as onyx. That information is that player's alone, and they may act on it or not, but it's solely theirs and free of any larger agenda the main GM may have in place. I've never seen or experienced this type of dynamic where the physical setting is managed independently from the mental one. But would be curious whether you have, you have, or any other situations where the virtual game experience deconstructed the role-playing game experience to such a degree. I'm sure there are many rule sets that do just that, but wondering if you've seen or experienced such a thing in your long and distinguished journey through the hobby. Cheers and beers. Bear Lager. So do you want me to say it, or should I just give you the example? Uh, I don't know. Do I? Am I supposed so, to know what it is? So two things. One, I have co-GM before on a couple different occasions where the most successful one I had, my buddy JR and I both ran a Werewolf the Apocalypse game. In person, he handled X number of NPCs. I handled these. We would run off. People would come talk to him, talk to me, do whatever. And then at certain points, we'd say, okay, let's take a break. Some of the guys go outside and smoke. JR and I get together, convince them what we did take the info, advance the story, move on. <clears throat> Every other time I've tried has been a galactic goddamn mess. Um, so two in, game masters in is very in person. It, yeah. And I, I don't know. It would have to have a similar type of bond and a similar type of um, approach mentality. I think where you know the other person as well as your brother or your sister, um, you know, best of friends type of thing where you could make it work. I think even if you tried it in, in an online environment. The other thing I enjoy doing, and I actually, now you say it, it is harder for me to do this online, and I don't know why, because um, I don't want to have the experience that Sean was just talking about, where if I were to text somebody online, like, this, the message, right? Because normally in person, if we're playing, I'd be like, step outside, I have something for you. So I take the character outside, the player, and we talk to him, or the sticky note gets passed, right? You're right on it. It gets chucked at me. Last Access Mundi game, I think I had five or six of them come flying at me after a big reveal. I do this. I do that. I ignore this person. I'm going to set this up. I'm going to kill Beta's character. Just tons of stuff coming at me. Zave's a famous one. He'll write something down, slide it to me, and open it up. I'm trying to do X. Tell me what you want me to roll. I would say, give me a DC 15. Everyone looks around. Uh-oh, Dave's doing something. <laughs> All right. He says it back, and I write an answer, and I give it to him. He's the only one who knows it. Whether he shares it or not, up to him. And um, with my home group and I, we've operated like that for <clears throat> decades, literally. Um, but that's just a, a staple for us is that you can have that type of activity. Not everybody likes to do that. Um, but that's the only way that I have done managing the physical setting from the mental one, right? The chits are on the board, the miniatures are there, or the open dialogue of this is what the con this is what the conference looks like this is what you're standing in front of the prince this is where you're doing x activity 
and pass the note that says, you see the librarian glance slightly to the left. You pass it to the person. They go, oh my God. I keep a closer eye on the librarian. What'd you see? I don't have time to talk about. Let's just, let's, this is what I'm doing. Right. So uh, that type of thing I'm used to doing. And I don't, co GMing, I think, is incredibly difficult. Um, somebody out there probably has had much better experience on a more regular basis than I ever have. But um, I think with online, I don't want to. The games that tend to run online have been more cooperative. Or if there's something happening, the people I've played with when I run the my Streets of Avalon actual player, when I run with Sean and so forth, if something's like, okay, I'm going to smash cut over to Sean's activity. He's doing a private scene. Such and such happens. Everyone else listens. They're entertained. They get it. And Sean rejoins the group where I switch over. Everyone pretends they don't know what the fuck just happened because Sean isn't there to tell them. His character isn't there, so they draw the line. And I think that's kind of how we've kept the mental versus the physical separate. So that's what I'm seeing on my side. Sean, do you, what do you think? Any? The thing that's going through my brain is, is how do you compare the at the table to virtual? What is missing between the two? And the only difference mm -hmm. is the physical, the physicality of being there face to face, literally reaching out and being able to touch somebody or move them off into a room privately. Somebody could say, well, I could just whisper that to them online. Yep, you could do that. That's a lot of typing, but you could do that, right? So that piece is is there. You could feasibly go, okay, I'm going to FaceTime you, Brett. Yep. Right? You could do that. There's, you can't um, hand there's somebody a... a piece of paper, right? You, you, you know, you can't pick up their miniature necessarily. But even somebody could say, yeah, you can. You could do it on a the virtual tabletop. You pick up their token and you move it for them. So the only difference between, I think, face-to-face -face and the virtual world is the fact that you're physically not in the same room. And anything and honestly, that comes with yeah. that limitation, that's that's kind of mm -hmm. it. You know, and some of these virtual tabletops right. and online tools, some of them do make up for the, some of the components that are missing. But it may not be the best experience. Like if virtual reality were a thing, there'd be no difference. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. The the technology piece where if I want to whisper a long thing that I would physically whisper to Sean. Right. Tick, 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 tick. So I'm focusing on my typing. And it would have been, take the guy on the left. Right. Right. Just I'd lean over and say, Sean, take the guy on the left. The game master would hear me mumble something. You'd be like, whatever, don't care. She's still running. When the time comes, boom, we know what we're doing. Now, if I say, take the guy on the left, send. I'm focused there for that brief time, short conversation. It still takes me out of what else is happening sometimes. I don't know. There's there's a speed of thought. And sometimes when you're gaming with people <clears throat> that you know very well, or even if you don't know them that well in person, there are times when people are talking, they're looking at stuff, and they look at their character. If you're using minis, for example, I've seen this many times. They pick up their mini, and they're like, the rest of the, the DM is talking. The GM's going about her his her business, and the player picks it up, and Eileen holds her mini over the over by the big bad guy. And Sean goes, mm -mm. shakes his head. She goes, she nods. Okay, okay. Puts her mini back down. That conversation was, I'm going to go over here and attack him, or I'm going to go over here and do something. And Sean's like, and she's looking for Sean to say, uh, good idea, bad idea, no, bad idea, bad idea. 
just a little nod of the head, shake of the head. That type of communication can happen in real time. Sure. <clears throat> in person. And some of those subtle social cues are tougher to do online. It's a fact. People have talked about that. Um, I've been doing conference calls and video conferencing now for over a year. And there are subtleties that you miss in person. And some people are very self-conscious on camera and don't do well at it. There's a gentleman I had to talk to today for work. Super nice guy. I've met him in person before. And we get along fine. But every time he has to talk to me one-on-one on a video conference at work, he acts like he's afraid. (laughs) I'm like, I know he's not afraid of me. It's, it's not, that's not it. We've, we've spent a lot of time in the office together working on long hours and projects and stuff over the last four years. So I know this dude's not scared of Brett, but he does not like the camera in his face. Mm. He doesn't like the, he doesn't like the vision of, I can see me talking up here and my weird mannerisms. So I'm trying not to look at that. I'm trying to just look at Sean. It, it throws some people off. So yeah, I think you're right, Sean. There's, I think you hit on something there. There's, um, there are components of the virtual as that are kind of cool. But I think there's, it's not total VR. It's just not there. One, it's, it's only the, other piece. The, the the thing that you mentioned is an example of what you Excuse will me. miss in face to face than you would even VR. You know, I, Jeff goes and goes to the bathroom. He could still hear me. You know, if I'm yelling yeah. loud enough at the table and I'm there yeah. in person. Jeff, what are you doing? It's your turn. I'm stabbing with my sword. Okay, great. You know, okay. All right, pass. I'm waiting. Hold on. You know, or whatever. Yeah. You know, if somebody gets away from the virtual table, I mean, is there, they're like, hey, where the hell is he? I don't know where he's going. Can you hear me? Oh, he can hear you. Oh, okay. But I also think and they, that- And then they come back. I sent you a fucking message. Why don't right. you read the group chat? But there's also, you know, I've played a Skype game, no video and no VTT, just audio only, period. And you freaking pay attention. Like, and if you don't, you know they're not paying attention very, very quickly. Because- 90% of the Streets of Avalon stuff I did um, with uh, Sneezak, Kev, Thulu, and Andy, and all that, and, and Tom, that was most had some of the folks had bad internet connections. So <sighs> video was off. Yeah. Video was off. It was just sound. You pay real close fucking attention. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has their turn to talk. And as the game master, you better be moderating and making sure everyone's got their time because no one can raise their hand and say, wait about me. Right. Right. And you can't. Tricky stuff. And sometimes you can't read the, are they bored? Are they not bored? Are they engaged? Are they That's not hard. engaged? Like if you're face to face, you could, you know. I, like right now, I, Sean can't tell how mad I am at him because <laughs> I'm smiling. He can't tell. He can't tell. He doesn't know how hard I'm going to hit it. But if I was there time. in the room, I could read you could Brett's totally body read, language. You could read it. Yes. yes you could yeah. see the rage building up, the tension. <laughs> yeah. You could totally Brett, see it. Even Brett's lighting and filtering, he, he masks out the redness I of do. the face. That's why he yes. looks more pale. That's why I look happy. <laughs> <laughs> Very anyway, good. We're never going to get done with this episode. Oh, Jesus. That was good. All right. I'll move on. Todd Crapper is up next. He commented on Beyond Your Table, which I kind of figured Todd would. As he says, Moji, what could possibly have me eager to listen to the episode? Could it be Satan? Um, <laughs> there comes a point in the game's design where it has to function without its creator or creators. And that's when you learn if the game is solid. Not because it worked exactly as you wanted it to, as if you were holding everyone's hand, but it worked despite you not being there. Grammatical interpretation alone is one of the key reasons. But it mainly comes down to people doing whatever the fuck they want with your game and still feel like it's your game. 
It's why Pathfinder first edition oh, was also known as D&D 3.75. It still tasted like D&D 3.5, but with hot sauce. Or as a Dale Donut, depending on who you asked. Oh, Ooh, Todd. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Bokey, <laughs> bokey, bokey. Yeah. Bokey, bokey. He continues. Um, <laughs> no one runs the same game in the same way. Hell, I don't even run my own games as written because I adapt it to suit any number of reasons. But those adaptations are still based on the core principles built into the game. And that's where that's where games, adventures, supplements, and other products aim. Not dead center, just anywhere on the target. The more precise it needs to be in order to function at the basic level, the harder it is to implement. See what I did there? Basically did the same thing that uh, Brett and Sean did during the episode. But in my own words, same thing. Except mine was done with a lot more fucking class, you shitheads. <laughs> Crap her out. <laughs> well, I uh, never claimed to have any class, Todd, so. Nor did I. No, so, so you, you immediately have more class than we do. But I like the summation here. I like this idea of... Um, the adaptation is based on the core principles built into the game, and that's where those things aim. That's what you're trying to get to. So I think that's what I meant, and I'm going to talk about it in another episode when I said Jared Rasher broke my Avalon cosmology and his interpretation. But I've talked to him. I've talked to people who play in his game. I've seen his write-ups, listened to, watched his stuff, and I'm like, that is, it's still Avalon. I watched my buddy Alpha the first time I had anybody run Avalon with me as a player in it, which was the weirdest fucking thing in the world for me. And he did it. He he changed parts of it. I'm like, huh? I never thought about that. I don't know if I'd have done that. Can't believe but you still, let him get away with that shit, Brett. Well, he, he's limping now. But the point the point is, it still felt enough like Avalon that he had, I let him, you know, limp. Kevin ran an Avalon game, um, and he did a great job. And he took things in directions like, huh? Interesting cosmology change. Interest. Oh, that's interesting. The way he he messed this messed this around. You know, he didn't mess it up. He messed around with it. Changed it up a little bit. Huh? Cool. It still felt like an Avalon game. All the all the right trade dress was there, so it was the right stuff. You know, the right stuff. Insofar as it felt like you were playing Avalon in that setting, and not like, well, it says Avalon on the cover, but it's really Eberron. Right? It wasn't that drastic. So, good stuff. Thanks, Todd. That was very helpful. Yeah, thanks, Todd. All righty then. Oh. Mr. John Kayward emails us on MOOCs. Hi guys, I love your show as always. Unless Thanks, I missed it, thank you. Yes. Unless I am mistaken, no one mentioned brute squads from the Seventh Sea in your MOOC discussion. Take this oh, with a grain of salt because I have not run Second Edition or First for that matter. But brute squads are integral to the system. They are a group of NPC treated like a single character, with their damage based on how many people in the squad, as well as it is their hit points. Yeah, same as Star Wars minions, pretty much. Uh, on top of that, they come in a variety of flavors. Guards, assassins, duelists, pirates, and thieves. Each variety has a different power, which can be activated by the game master spending a danger point. Danger points are kind of like fate points, but just for the game master. Guards are basically uh, ablative armor for uh, villains. Assassins go before the heroes. Duelists get a second attack. Pirates can abduct an NPC. And thieves can steal an item from the heroes. My home group has flirted with running the second edition a couple of times, but it was too narratively driven for them. Many of them loved first edition that was a more tactical game. I don't really know how well it works, but it sounds like fun. That sad story here, this is sad story here, is that I backed the Kickstarter for second edition, which gave me all the digital versions of the first edition books. That and most of the new books, too. Now, that is some digital clutter. <laughs> By far, I have more seventh 
Seventh Sea books than any other game. I think it's time is coming for my home group. Any year now. Sigh. Keep up the good work. John Keyword. John, I had the uh, pleasure of being able to play in the um, my first trip to Queen City Conquest a number of years ago. I got pulled into John Wick running uh, 7C Second Edition. It is very narrative, and I should have remembered the Brute Squads because we encountered one. It was fun. <laughs> it was it was fun. They're easy to knock down, have a good time with, but they did all the cool stuff that Sean and I talked about. They tried to kidnap people. They were in the way. They were distractions. They were a blade of armor for the bad guy. It was a blast. So it's been a long time since I cracked out my second edition rule book. Uh, but take a look at that, folks, if you're interested. And I do agree that's a very narrative system. And I think it, if that's something that uh, that you like, it's definitely worth looking into, I believe. It was a lot of fun when I played it. So there you go, Sean. I played something different and fun. See that? <laughs> All right. Thank you, John. Speaking of John, we got a John H. Hits us with some feedback here. A few random thoughts inspired by the last few episodes. One, World of Darkness was my jam back in the day. Loved it. Played so much Werewolf the Apocalypse in high school, and it was awesome. Classic World of Darkness is pretty rough around the edges mechanically. It didn't take a rocket scientist to break the game. We had a few players who enjoyed doing just that. But the setting was rich, interesting, and well-supported. When New World of Darkness came out, I was pleased to see that they mostly fixed the game system, but quickly realized that they'd taken all the fun, the mystery, the wonder, <coughs> excuse me, and above all, the hope out of the setting. Werewolves went from warriors of Gaia to self-serving territorial thugs. Mages went from pioneers on the edge of reality, fighting the forces of stagnation, madness, and malice to, well, to self-serving territorial thugs. And changelings went from creatures of the dreaming, walking line between banality and schizophrenia by bringing dreams to life, inspiring artists to cowering victims of abuse. All the meaning was ripped out, and what was left was no fun to play anymore, even with a better game system. It's, it's still good for playing mortal horror games, but the splat books are just taking space on my game shelf. One thing World of Darkness got right was the structure of the character. Attributes rank 1 through 5, skills 1 through 5, and special abilities. Bam! Perfect recipe for a character, and all these years later, nobody's improved on it. Bold statement. That's how characters are built in everything from World of Darkness to Star Wars to 7C to Cortex. Speaking of Cortex, Cam Banks and crew at Fandom are about to revolutionize how RPGs are made and marketed. Check out what they're doing with the Cortex Prime system, CortexRPG.com. They position to start cranking out fun, balanced games connected to existing licensed IPs to, and do so very quickly. <clears throat> they're almost mostly done with a Masters of the Universe game and a Dragon Prince game. And as the creators of D&D Beyond, they're building some online tools for designing your own Cortex hacks quickly and easily, selling them on their marketplace and, paying, and playing them on their platform. Watch what they're doing, because I think they'll, <laughs> they just might overtake D&D as best-known tabletop RPG. You know, like World of Darkness almost did 20 years ago. These days, <clears throat> that's a bold left Damn, that is, John I, H is laying I, down the bold here, John, man. John, man, I gotta say, you know, if you're right, <clears throat> good on you. But I got that sounds to me like the next CCG is gonna overtake Magic: The Gathering, and that shit hasn't happened. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see, man, because he does have a point. Will the Darkness almost did 20 years ago. It, it was it was on the edge, and Pathfinder, Pathfinder took Pathfinder it over. Did right, Pathfinder beat them for a while. But people say, well, it's just D&D. Point is, different company. Anyway. Ooh, that is, man. These days, 
continues John. Genesis is my jam. I've had more fun with homebrew Genesis games in the past couple years than with any other game in my life. Their custom settings are good, especially uh, Shadow of the Beanstalk. But where the game shines is in homebrewed settings. It took me a couple sessions <coughs> excuse me, to get the hang of it and to trust things like the magic system. But once I did, it was awesome. I admit the game seemed incomplete when I first looked at it. But I kept worrying that it wasn't prepped that I wasn't prepped enough. But the system works, and it's way more thorough and complete than it seemed to be, especially with the expanded player's guide. On paper, it looks a lot, but at the table, it creates amazing adventures. Thanks for the terrific podcast, John. I like John because he's not afraid to say what he thinks here. No, seriously. I, yeah, I suppose because I mean he's he's got some bold statements. You're like, hey, he does not. I. I've heard the same complaints in the New World of Darkness system, you know, when they change werewolves and vampires and changelings, where they tweaked everything like that. They went in a direction not a lot of people liked. I heard the same complaints. Hmm. And I would validate the fact that those complaints had a lot of merit because those games are not that popular to my knowledge. When I talk to people about it, everyone goes, yeah, I used to play that. <laughs> and they're talking about the old game. They're not talking about the new version. Or the newer version. It just didn't seem to go. They produced books and stuff. And I'm sure people were playing it. But the folks I was hanging around with and the game stores I went to couldn't move the shit. So, yeah. No, and I, uh, the Cortex thing, that I did not know enough about that. CortexRPG.com. So I'll have to poke around at that. If that's true, that's that's pretty bold if they can do that. If Our nothing else, <clears throat> yeah, cranking was, it out like that, that's pretty powerful. Our friend Herman uh, uh, for Puerto Rico is uh he's got it on the games list to, to run for players for bsers and he he and i were talking back and forth one day and explaining kind of the he joined us like i think i was online and he joined and like had a actual kind of virtual face-to-face -face conversation about cortex and he uh explained i was not aware of how it worked and apparently it is literally a role-playing game toolbox like when you talk about toolbox for AD and D or, or whatever, no, I've, I've heard that about Cortex. It's, yeah, you want to yeah, build absolutely. your own role playing game. It gives you a framework and mm -hmm. how you want. Like, okay, do you want core attributes? What does that look like? And how do you want it to roll? And so it's a little bit more. Uh, you know, if you want to get into that, if you want to build your own car instead of taking a motor and a frame and then kind of making it, and you want to change it up cortex rpg i think is the way to go but i don't know much about see to it. your earlier comments sean now this what i hear john saying about cortex makes me go huh i should check out cortex i like building shit man you might you know, want to like, i yeah. really I, I it's it's totally worth looking at that if nothing else to see huh what what do i think i could do with it and the other thing that's interesting here is genesis genesis is the same as your star wars game right sean yes yeah, I know you're not paying attention. No, Herman's in the chat. He's like, yeah, I man. Know, I'm, teasing, yeah. I'm teasing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had a lot of fun with the Star Wars game, even though I sat in the ship and tried to use the ship guns to shoot people and other things. <laughs> um, it's interesting that he's saying that the homebrew Genesis is where it really shines for him. Because for me, when I heard that Genesis was going to be kind of a setting agnostic homebrewy type, hey, universal system type of a thing, I actually pulled away from it thinking, I don't know, man. It really seemed to do well with X. Do I want to do that? I don't know. Would it really? So, huh. I, well, I mean, honestly, man, when our listeners say shit like this, I think, okay, these are sharp gamers. They took the time to write us and tell us something. 
I that that's got me interested. Hey, it's got funky dice. A little bit different, but the way my group likes my home group likes to play with that narrative approach and some of the storytelling pieces. Again, I, I could try to throw that at the table. I could I could think of a couple of guys in my group that'd be like, "Eh, not for me." And that'd be fine because the other people who play with it would totally dig it. So, right, interesting. It is, it's one of those where you've got the like. This is the argument I get in with Brett because he's you know I, I do that at my game table. Like I already implemented oh, totally the, the Genesis. Yeah, stuff. I did. It's because I'm awesome. Because he's awesome. But the thing is, my argument would be that you have players at your table that don't do that. They, yeah, they, they, they don't, don't want to. Huh? They won't. Yes, they don't. They don't like the, the fail. They don't. Uh, failing's bad. And I know I've played with people myself that that's that's a taboo. We don't want to fail. It's always success. Like it's all. That's what the game is about. And with Genesis, as it's mechanized, you don't have a choice. Like that's the tea leaves, man. You got to come yeah. up with something that that's why. How did you fail, or how did you succeed with a drawback? What does that look like? It's yeah. it's not a so, bad thing. It's just more flavor. No, it is, and, and that's why I, if I played a game that was that is that's how that game is played, right? And if. Dave likes to play like that, and Lenny doesn't like to play like that. They cannot play together unless someone decides that they're just going to suck it up and play. Right. Right. Would they, yeah. would they play this game? So you I don't know. They, I, I could probably get them to try it right, right once at least. But I think I've known them, I've known these guys for over 30 years. So, okay, I can pick the couple that will try it. And not like it, partly because coming up with narration on the spot based on the tea leaves is not their style. They don't like that. Right. They are much more of a, hey, this happened. Brett, can you help me here? Sure. And which is everyone else doing the thing, though, they would feel very left out. And that's you could do that in Genesis. Like you could yes. like the, it is however it is written where designed. the bad is from the game master and the good is from yeah. the players, but I've always run Star Wars like, okay, I what know. do you think? I just yeah. I, I'm looking at my group and thinking, huh, I don't know. I'll try it, but I know a couple couple of guys would, would be like, Wow, this is really fucking awesome. I think they'd really get into it. Cool. Good yeah. stuff, though. Yeah, good stuff. Like I said, when our listeners talk and when you bring up game ideas, I'm like, I don't always jump, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. I'm like, huh, I'm going to check into that. I do. Yeah. 90% of the time, I check into it. And sometimes I'm like, huh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to put the time in learning that one. I don't know if the payoff is going to be big enough for me. But the Cortex, I am interested if you do. Cortex kind of, is interesting. Like It sounds interesting, if nothing else. Piques your curiosity. Open up a little extra web page there. So I can check it out when we're done. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's cute. Let's get into the main topic. Holy cow. Fuck, we're going to be late, dude. Yeah. Well, you know, it's relative. You got somewhere to go, Brett? Bed. <laughs> uh, all right. So that's what we're talking about. So <laughs> we talk, Brett's been talking about his group and his bullshit for a long time here. Six years. Um, one of the things that Sean has been... Talking about, um, I think in your Saturday chats and other things, you've been bemoaning uh, game group problems, and I've talked about them too. We oftentimes talk about who we're playing with and so on and so forth. Between the two of us, I have, I'm have i the one that has a group that has been essentially the same group for 30 years. You do not have that. Am I correct? 
it it's morphed right i don't i don't have okay so if you define that as i have the same game group and none of the players have changed come or gone well more staying coming than Mm -hmm. going then yes i would say i do not i have not had that happen okay it's not bad, right? No, I'm not. I don't what, take numbers. So what I'm that. saying though is that you, <clears throat> you've also said repeatedly, like you'll have Doc's game and then you'll stop playing with Doc for a while. Yep. And then you'll play with this game with Jeff, and they'll that'll dry up for a while. Right. You're like ah, I'll go play with Doc again for a while. Ah, I'll move over here. Yeah. You're kind of a tease, really. Um, well, I like to think <laughs> of myself as one of those easy gamers that likes to sleep <laughs> sleep around a little bit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I think so. There's. So what I want to talk about here is I think it's it's funny sometimes because um, I will I don't want to come across that look the best way to game is to have this regular core gaming group that you stick on for thirty years come hell or high water blah 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 right that's not the only way to do this well I'm glad you I said actually, that damn <clears throat> I had to just I don't want you to feel bad. if you were going to say the opposite I'd be like whoa whoa we have a, whoa, whoa. we have a we have a show. <laughs> we have a show, you dick. So AJ and I have talked about this where he said, boy, that'd be really cool if I, if my friends and I could play as long as you and your friends have. <clears throat> I had to remind him, I said, dude, remember, the guys I played with in high school that you're playing with now, I don't play with that anymore at all. Right. Said, Everyone I'm he, playing with now, I met in college and on. He doesn't know. Like, that's his world no, he right now. He's, like, he's, he's 15. Yeah. He's like, oh, interesting. I said, you're going to meet a lot of different people, blah, blah, blah. So you have that dad talk, right? You, right? you parent talk. You tell your kid. And my wife has had the same conversation with my daughter and with AJ. I've talked to Alana, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Point being is that it is it is cool, though, to have a group that you know very well, that you get on with fine and so forth. Well, my initial um, hesitancy not hesitancy, my inability to grasp perhaps is a good way to say like the safety tools perspective is I'm like, why would I need that? And I have to stop and go, wait a minute, dumbass. You know, these guys for over 20, 25 years, right? I have had a couple come and go. The youngest players only been with me for 20 years. Right. <clears throat> but generally speaking, I know that group of people incredibly well. They are my best friends apart from Sean. These are the people that I know. When I move, you know, they're here to help me move. Sean couldn't because of distance and so on. But Sean's like, hey, I can help you move. I can do no. stuff, you know. And I believe COVID the analogy is is the uh, they will help you. Um, the, they, uh, friends will help move you move. Body. A best friend will help you move a body. Yes, my <laughs> friends have plenty of shovels, backhoes, and we have know where we know where uh, we know where the gravel pit is. Right. So, <laughs> and where the and where the coyotes hang out. Anyway, point is. These are, these are my best friends. And I've said this before. In gaming, guys like Sean, I've met you through gaming. It happened to be work, happened to be the catalyst. But hey, we're gamers and this is what we do. So we're friends. And these are the best friends I have. Um, so if I'm going to game with Sean, I know how Sean ticks pretty well after six plus years of hanging out with you and talking gaming and gaming with you. So if I sit down to run a game, like, okay, I, I, I know that X, Y, and Z isn't going to bother Sean. I've talked about this ages back, but Dead Babies in Brett's home group game is a joke because I overdid the Dead Babies at some point. If you don't believe me, listen back ages ago in the podcast. How deep are they? Hip deep, ankle deep? Ah, it's not that bad yet. It's like high high tide, right? It was just the dumbest thing. 
It was early on in my vampire days. Point though is that I know what I can tell, what the group tolerates, what they like, what they don't like, what somebody's hot buttons are, because I know these guys. So I'm like, safety tools, what do I need that for? And I start to talk to Sean more about it, and he's telling me about how he's got these different groups he plays with. I'm like, aha, that makes sense. Oh, yes, I'm running games at cons again. This makes sense. I'm going to have an inconsistent group that I may be playing with, right? I have a new game I want to try uh, called Simbarum. I want to play it with some cool people. I hook up with some BSers and stuff. I have played with some of you, not all of you. And with some of you that have played with, I've only played a couple times or a few things. I don't know. I know Tim Duchesne okay, but I don't know if there's a certain thing that will flip his switch and he'll get pissed at me or he'll hate it or he'll not like this or he'll be offended by it. I think Tim's a pretty hard guy to offend. But the point is, is I don't know that because I haven't played with him. Right. Right. Played a little bit with Eileen. I've talked to Eileen online. We've interacted with her. I have a fair idea, but I don't know all as well as Lenny. I've, I've, I've known the guy forever. My, my biological son is named after him. Right. So you have a son some, named Lenny. I do. That's what I call AJ. <laughs> yeah, it's AJ's AJ's other name. Right. So there's this familiarity, which, which comes with it. And there can be some cool, some cool pieces to it. In that, generally speaking, my group is very open to trying a new game. Hey, I got a new thing. They will try it. If they don't like it, they're also not shy to tell me, I think this is terrible. They're not shy to tell me that. And they're also not shy to say, if you want to play this, that's fine. The four of you are having a good time. I'm not playing. Not mad. We got other stuff going on. Most of the games I'm playing in are my home group games because they're different. We're basically a club so-and-so, and Nick's running his game, Lenny's running his, Brett's running his, and Alpha's running his. And I'm actually, I'm running two. But anyway, point is, we, we've got all these different things going on. If you don't like one piece, there's somebody else is running some game that you're going to enjoy within our group. And I don't, and have, that, as, I don't have that in one group. No, you don't. And I, I have think that, that in Doc's group, because we do have other GMs. But in one group, like Jeff and those guys, I mean, Joe could, no. but, you know, Joe doesn't run as many games as I do. And I, I'm very fortunate with that. And I would be... And I don't, I don't want to take it for granted. And I try not to with, with, the, with the guys when I'm playing with them. But I, I think it's, it's cool to have. But there is a piece there that I think that is, um, how do I say this? They're a good group. And by a good group, I mean they're close friends. We know each other very well. We want to try new things. We're honest with, with each other. If I ask someone's opinion, they will tell me constructively. They will not look me in the eye and say, you suck. This game sucks, and you should have never been born. No one's going to – they're not going to do that to me. Not no, Well, maybe they might. But not, they'll do it in a more constructive that. way. A much or, more constructive right, yeah. way. Or they'll say things like, you know, I just don't like this mechanic. This is really driving me nuts. I think this would be much more fun if we did X. Or I have had people say, I cannot understand this. I don't know what's wrong, what mental block I have, but I do not fucking get this. It's just a challenge for me. I don't like this, right? And that's fine. Not everybody has a regular gaming group that they're playing with that behaves in such a way. And I feel I'm very fortunate in that. And I don't think it's as common as perhaps it should be. And by that, I mean, I see so many things. And I was telling Sean before the show started, damn near don't ever want to go on social media again, just because of the 
negative. Holy fuck. Even if it's not like your political view sucks and mine is the only right one. But the poor gamers out there who are like, my game master did this. I have a player who won't. I'm like, oh, my God. I cannot believe the amount of people that are stuck one way or another playing with shitty people. And this isn't even like a, well, they always play the same character. That's like whatever. That's a, that's yeah, a weak. Right. That's a weak gripe, in my opinion. Right. But they'll you'll see people talking about this game master doesn't respect me. This player is a alpha male player, and he's always smacking our pawns around, and he's take it takes over, and no one stops him. I can't get anyone to listen. Why are you gaming? You know. Yeah. I it feels like people are very stuck, and I think about. Why don't you just quit that group? <laughs> right? That's, yeah, right. And it, uh, it's and clearly not. And here we not, go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and it's not easy. But I really think the other, on the flip side is, I'm very fortunate. I have this really good group that I can pop and do different games. I can try different things with. But Sean, on the flip side, you have a number of different groups that may have less um, less depth or breadth to them, right? They may be a little more. Uh, this is going to uh, shallow stagnant. Those are bad words, but they may be a little more set. Right. So like Jeff's group, if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to play Mark Borg with them, I don't think that would go over as well. Two people would be prop. Well, actually, I think I could convince three of them to give it a shot. Like I, I, I maybe I'm wrong. Then. I okay. think Jeff Wait. is you. Okay. So I love Jeff to death. I've known him. He's like a brother to me. And that's why I can hate yeah. him and love him at the same time. And I don't hate him actually, but no, he is, he is, he is kind of the indie guy. Like that's kind of his, the deal. And you know, I've offered to run other, now we're playing star Wars. Okay. So when I say he's, he's also, the guy, he also cosplays as Vader. Right. 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 He's also, he's also a star Wars nut. So, so. I think, th- so to paint the full picture of those guys, um, I haven't done them a lot of justice because I haven't elaborated about who they are and what their gaming backgrounds are and what they prefer and all this. And it's a very it's a dynamic group in the fact that there's two guys that I've known since the dawn of time and there are two guys that I know for about a year and it's only through Tomb of Annihilation. So the, the dynamics there. And then, of course, I mean, we haven't even gotten into my Forbidden Lands game. I mean, oh, you want me to start somewhere, Brett? Holy cow. Let's go what there. I'm saying, what I'm saying is you, you've got these disparate groups that are doing different things and they have different – you've had different types of relationships with them. Where did you meet them? How long you've been gaming right. with them? What do you know about them and so forth? But I think you do a very good job in figuring out how to make it work in all those different groups. And I think that's honestly is a it's a skill that having a solid gaming group like like mine is is fun. We get along really well and so forth. However, sometimes we can be a little myopic. And we can get to a point where we're like, well, this is what this is how this is how everybody does X, right? You can get that way when you're very insular and you have a thing. And one of the things that the show has done is from talking to you and then playing at conventions is seeing how other people are doing stuff. And yeah, I might be like, huh. Interesting. I looked at that Cortex thing. And I don't think I like it, but I looked at it. There's plenty of other people who um, are Pathfinder guy or D&D gal, and that's all they do. And they know of nothing else. They don't want to know of anything else. That's just what they do. But I think there's a there's an interesting there's an interesting thing that sometimes I th- I think everybody uh, this is bold. 
people have a tendency as gamers who want to cultivate a really good gaming group. So a group we can play games with on a regular basis. They're timely. They show up. They respect. You know, it's it's not forever in a year to get together. We've got this really good gaming group. It's great and so on. And then, and then, and then you're like, hey, I'd like to try paranoia. And they, well, we just, we, I thought we just, I thought we were playing D and D together. We're the D and D group. Why are we playing paranoia? Well, I want to try something different. Well, not with us, motherfucker. You're like, oh, wow, great, lovely. And uh, so I think that the what I find that you've done, which I think is really impressive, honestly, is you have a number of good gaming groups that you can try and do all these different things with. If you want to play um Mork Borg, you want to play that Mork Borg, and you want to do that, can never remember how it's pronounced. You can play that. Mm-hmm. You can play um Forbidden Lands, um Star Wars, D and D, and Delta Green. You have five different games that you could play at any at the drop any week, and they're all with different groups. You may have some crossover in there, but you are the only common denominator between all that. And that is actually really cool. And I think there's some power in that because you are you're getting to understand different play styles. And I think there's um, there's a versatility that you are getting out of having those four to five different groups that you kind of wander through <laughs> that you play with or, or run for. There's a versatility that you pick up that I have to, um, that I started working on more. You know, when I ran my, um, for the Wednesday evening group, when I was running uh, my Streets of Avalon game, then when I run for you, um, couple times with the BSers at cons, playing at cons, getting into different, playing with different people. Um, it's actually kind of scary the first couple times. Like the first time I remember playing with uh, Dave Beatty, he's like, hey, would you run? Oh, it'd be really cool if you run like an intro to, could you run like a race type game? Yeah, sure. I could do that. It sounded fun. I sit down. I'm like, holy fuck, this guy asked me to do this for him. I hope I don't suck. I like a panic attack practically. Like, what if I suck at this? Which is one of the reasons I convinced you to play with me at, at the table because like Sean won't let me die. He's my friend. <laughs> Hopefully he won't let me just roast here. <sighs> oh Lord, I'm sorry. Wrap it up, Brett. Move along. <laughs> um, can we? Anybody else drinks? Drinks here? So this is kind of boring. So I think there's there's something to be said about having the single regular gaming group, regular basis, all that stuff. But I think there's some real power and versatility in doing it the way you do it, Sean. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense, and that's why part of the reason why I kind of do it. I mean, honestly, um, and I, and so we should be clear. Like, it's not. I have been very fortunate through a lot of my gaming experiences. I haven't run into a lot of terrible, nightmarish situations at all. I mean, even the weird record scratches where I've had, you know, not a stranger, but somebody I've known, I've never gamed with, show up to like a drop-in game, you know, botch a prison break. And they, like, they planned it and planned it, and then this one person's like, okay, I throw a grenade right here. Like, an hour of planning gone in like 30 seconds. <laughs> that's not, that's not a huge deal. Like, it is, but it's not like somebody coming to the game and going, I, br- you know, I sexual assault the NPC. I... You know, do this, or, you know, whoa, hold on a second, right? I think I show up to a, I think I show up to a game drunk off his ass. I had to kick him out. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, the fuck, dude? You know, drink it's fine, but yeah, I don't want somebody completely slammed at the, at the table and they're a complete nope. mess. Yeah. So I've been very fortunate, but, and I've, I've had the experience of 
hey, I want to play with this person and that person. And oh, and one of those guys may bring a friend of theirs. All right. If they're a friend of theirs or a friend of mine kind of thing. And it mm-hmm. works out and the chemistry has been fine. And they're all over the place. Like they're the, the game group personalities, you know, are, are just different. I mean, the Star Wars Living Force game was different than Jeff's group. And Jeff was in that game. But, yep. um, you know, we Brett was in one game of mine, uh, the Star Wars game. And we had, you know, Jim that he and I both worked at, were yep. at the same place. And then we had Kev and um, Austin. Austin, yep. And so, so I've been very fortunate, and it doesn't always work that way. And frankly, I mean, Jeff and I have had our issues with the Curse of Strahd campaign. Well, I think what's one of the things that's interesting that you've done and I have done that I think is it's not easy to do, and I don't know how to uh, – It probably a whole show and a deep, real deep dive into it, but part of it is that when you have the record scratch type of things or you don't – it's not working, right? <clears throat> Sometimes you got to call that shit early, right? Sometimes you're like, you know what? This this isn't working for me. I need a break. Yeah. You know? Strad went, God, what? It, maybe it, it went, two or three sessions, maybe. And then it was like, this and is. like, this isn't working. You know what? I'm just going to call the ball. We're going to move on. Right. I, as I said, I had a guy show up in college at a game group I was running. He'd played for a while. He was kind of a kooky dude, newer to the group. Okay. And uh, he showed up just fucking hammered. I said, no, yeah. get out. And he just, he got pissed. He never came back. And he's, well, pretty well, you know, you kind of you can't tell me what to do. I'm like, yeah, I can. This is my gaming group. Get the fuck out. You're not playing drunk. You don't come in high. You don't play drunk. This is, these are my rules. This is really simple. You know, don't, don't fucking do that shit at my game. If you want to expand your reality somewhere else, go expand your reality somewhere else. Not here tonight. And I have had other people where I've had to ask them to leave. You know, or we just reschedule around them or break up the group, reform, do, you know, different things. Did that a few times in high school, getting away from people that were annoying or whatever. Um, but it's hard to do sometimes if you let it go for a while. You know, and I think that's something that you have that you've done is that <clears throat> by because you've got these multiple different groups to go through. If you're like, OK, this group, Doc's group wants to run stars without a number. I just don't feel like a stars out number game. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set this one out, Doc. Tell me when you guys come back to something else. If they come back and say, hey, Jim wants to run Shadowrun, he'd be like, I don't feel like Shadowrun. Tell me when you're back. You have not walked away from the group. You stay connected to them, right? But you're able to say, look, I don't want to play that game or whatever the case is. Um, and I, I, and I think you've done a, a good job when I listen to you talk off the mics and stuff about how you've kind of curated who you want to play with, right? I don't have time for this bullshit. I don't have time for this other bullshit. And especially in that bullshit, this is the only bullshit I will tolerate. And you work to work to make sure that is a type of gamer at your table. And I think that's, it takes work, I guess. is <clears throat> I guess what I want to say is part of this is that even if it's building one core game group that you have, for 30 years or whatever or whatever you have this long standing group of people that are friends until the bitter bitter end or if you build a couple of other gaming groups that you get involved in like Sean has done it takes work to do it right you have to be willing to walk away or get people to walk away <laughs> you know not not playing with assholes type of thing but it's definitely the other thing it does is that I Sean I'll be moaning this on the show even it was like god damn it fucking players I have, why do I have to be the one to organize the group? Because I like this group. I really do. You know, it's okay to organize it, you know, to put a little effort in, 
to ask the questions, to be the guy that says, hey, I want to run this game. No one knows what they want to do. I'll run this game. Uh, about this other game? You know, putting in the extra effort and doing those things to help build that group and keep it together so that everybody keeps coming on a regular basis. You can build that really kick-ass rapport so that you understand how each other works and you know what will work. You know what will work at that table or what your what everybody likes, doesn't like type of thing. Does that make sense, Sean? It does, and it's it sucks that people are in groups or, or there's a bad apple and they, they, it's like having that, you know, we watch movies and we, we've gone through experiences in our life where we've got a friend or an associate that's obnoxious as hell, but they're, you know, taken out of context. They're the, yeah, you just got to get to know them or whatever. And eventually you kind of drift away from that knucklehead because you realize they're truly a knucklehead. And you're kind of tired of covering for them or trying to, you know, you know, yeah, basically cover for them, vouch for them. But, you know, it's the game like rules, rules, settings, scheduling, you know, all this all this stuff we talk about for 300 plus episodes. All it comes down to is is basic chemistry and it not yeah. everybody's going to have it. It is. Dude, when I talk about Match.com for gamers, I'm not sh- shitting around. It's It really is dating. <laughs> it's like you're dating four or five people at one time, and if you're not like, hey, I, you know, this just, hey, this just isn't working out, you know? I, it's, <laughs> yeah, not it's not you. you. It's me. Whatever it, it takes. It's not you. Yeah. It's me. So um, are you breaking up with yeah. me? Like it's yes, yes I am. <laughs> it totally is, and and when you could get, and sometimes what happens again with relationships, you can date somebody for four or five years, and then you know what? You know, it's probably you know, it's not. I don't want to. I don't want to go off into the sunset and become old and elderly with you for forty, fifty years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go and find somebody else to do that and date maybe some other people and and bring them into the fold or whatever. So it is such a weird thing when you look at it from that perspective. And when you have good folks that, you know, and and there's like the relationship can can ebb and flow. Like you don't have like there's John or actually there's another good example. So John, the guy we mentioned on the show on occasion that plays Pathfinder and has played it and has no kind of. Um, you know, desire to play anything else, and that's what is they've recently gone to 5e because of the DM. Mm-hmm. But I knew a guy that was in that group, I worked with him. I don't know if I ever told you this, Brett, but he knew, no, John. I think you did. Yeah, he yeah, knew yeah. John, and I worked with him. So we were at work having a conversation one day, and he's like, Yeah, you you just went to, to visit John, and because he was a client of mine at the time, yeah. he's like, Yeah, he's like, I played D with that guy, I played Pathfinder with him. And I go, Are you shitting me? He's like, No, I go, How long have you played with him? like two three years and he had like but the but that's kind of where it ended like there wasn't any more depth right like jeff Mm. i know his son i've seen you know his daughter i've been at his wedding that's different so it was almost weird when i started to get into these different groups where it was like uh and some people i don't have that that depth of knowledge into their background and their life and i'm like how can you show up every week and play pathfinder and not know anything about this guy so th- there is a <laughs> one of the things that prompted me to just bring this up to, to bullshit by with you, dude, is that I like, sometimes I have to be honest, I feel sorry for people when I see them online. Like, oh, I'm I got to find a group to play with. Oh, I'm looking over here. Oh, I play in 15 different groups. I'm like, 
you don't have a regular gaming group? Oh man, that sucks. Because I I love mine. So I'm like, oh man, sure. And when when I see somebody who's like constantly bouncing or trying to find or whatever it is, and then I realize, you know, sometimes if you're if you're a gamer who's like wants to try all these different games out there, it can be really hard to find one solid game group that wants to bounce with you every week and and play, you know, or more Bork this week and then Middle Earth role play next week. Oh, and I'm going to play DCC the week after. Not, it's not everybody's. Oh, you like to on sleep that. around a lot more <laughs> with different systems. Okay, that's cool. I like to keep my partnership to like one or two people. You know. And I do, I have met other people that, much like our conversation about our buddy John, where they're like, oh, this is my gaming group. Like, oh, cool. You guys, well, yeah, they're just, they are people I play games with. And it's odd to me if I have a regular group of people I hang out with. Like if I was a bowler and I, Sean and I bowled every week on league for six years. And he said, yeah, I got to go pick up Tam. I'm like, who's that? that right. That's my wife. Right. Oh, I didn't know you were married. That's weird to me. <laughs> it's just, And I, I know that sometimes people have their, their private and their hobby life and things are very, very separate or whatever. But um, I am one of those people that if I'm going to game with you for a very long time or whatever it is, I want to get to know you. What do you do for a living? Where do you hang out? Small talk crap like that is, you know, I want to know. You know, and I know I have met people like, why, why are you talking to me about that? We're here to play D&D. We just played D&D together. Uh, okay. I, I joined a group like that once just because a friend of mine invited me to stand in. I'm like, wow, this is fucked up. <laughs> That's how I felt. I'm like, this is a really, really weird experience for me where no one was just talking about the game. That's all we're here to do when they're done. Everyone brought their own sandwiches. They brought their own, <laughs> their own soda. They ate, drank, played D&D, and then went home. All right, cool. See you next week. And that was the end of it. Like, this is weird. Yeah, <clears throat> it just wasn't. It didn't feel very social to me. So, anyway, I don't don't really have no big, you know, mastermind idea here that like one type of group is better than another. But I think it's definitely worth it in this hobby to really get the most out of it. Is to find out um, what type of a gaming group environment you enjoy, right? And for some people, that's the the Brett idea of a 30 plus year old crew. <clears throat> Boom. This is what we do. We're really cool. We flip all this stuff around. Blah. Yeah, we got our issues. Yeah, I know. So-and-so's pissed off. Yeah, somebody doesn't like Warhammer First Edition. Fine. Fuck it. Whatever. We'll move around. Not a breaker. Sean, lots of different groups he can play with and can bounce around to. And some people don't give two fucks about any of that. And they just want to show up and play games with anybody all the time. Forever. That's fine, too. And I think part of being game master as well as player is figuring out what you want out of a group right is it a, how what's the regular good gaming group look like to you right and i think sean you and i've talked a little bit here about how what we like and so forth and kind of in that introspection thing that we've talked about a few times here is like what is it that you like and i we both see people online i hate this about my group or my group sucks or i got this person or how come i can't find or what and and um, it's kind of the how come I can't, how come there's no match.com for gamers, right? I, I, I'm looking for the one, the one group, or I'm looking for multiple groups or whatever it is that people want. And um, it's tough, but I think it's one of the parts of the hobby that once you figure out what you want out of a gaming group and figure out how to um, make that happen, you're going to get more out of the, more out of the hobby than 
it, it's just uh if you like being casual and that's what you do you're like a casual gamer you go to cons you play periodically if you played once or twice a year that's good enough for you great i know people like that oh yeah we played D a couple times a year I'm like a couple times a year what the fuck that's not a hobby this that's, that's not even bad what is that <laughs> like she likes in kentucky it happens once a year maybe <laughs> or once every couple of years that's not it's not a hobby to me you know but some people like that that's how they want to do it and i think it's as you're building a gaming group it's kind of sussing out do uh do you guys like it the same way i do <laughs> you like your hobby the same way i do you know is that okay Hey anyway. man, I kind of like to dance around a little bit, but I don't <laughs> yeah. deal with this. Is that all right? Exactly. Like, I got it's safe goofy. words it's, for that shit. We are <laughs> we are the weirdest social unsociable people, man. Gamers, <laughs> it's a social activity, and some of us are just terrible at it. Some of us, like you and I, are here talking, and I'll get nervous, like running a game for people I already know. First time I ran an Avalon game online for BS, I was like, oh man, I hope I don't fuck this up. Oh, Sean's gonna, oh, fuck over a Twitch stream. Oh, Jesus, what if I fuck it up? I'm like, I'm nervous and sweaty. Like, why am I, I know these people. I've talked to all of them. Why is this bothering me? You know, anyway, that's enough out of me. You good, Sean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fuck to do. I'm done. I'm done for today. <laughs> Everybody's had enough of me. Let's move on. Oh, the game group. That's so, I, yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, I like I like having both. I think there is something to be said about having a consistent game group yep. that you like. You know, you've you've got kind of some roots roots in, and then I think that uh, playing with other individuals, maybe not long term, all the time. Maybe it's one shots. Maybe it's five, a five session arc with maybe what you might consider AKA strangers. You know, that can open up opportunities that you might not get with the group. So there's like a balance, I think, like too much one way. Maybe that's the the uh, promiscuous it's like, gamer. That it's like, it's like how, how do you want to get, you get your fix, man? You how know? do you want to get your <laughs> fix? Get your fix. <laughs> you know, regular uh, all the time, same people, oof, or you want to move it around a little bit. This, <laughs> this one is getting ugly. Talking. Let's uh, die roll. Let's go on to die roll. <laughs> Let's move to die roll. Yeah. Die roll. Uh, two to four. Die this latest points of gaming and geekery. Totally gaming. And geekery, like nothing else in this. No, no, where? First one. All right. First one, Merkberg. Actual play on YouTube. We'll have a link into that if you want to check that out by all means. Uh, it was a good time. It was like a little over four-hour session. And we even did a mini session zero, so kind of precursor. Oh, nice. Yep. Very cool. Uh, Pete, a.k.a. Dragons Are Real podcast host, talks about 2D6 fantasy and bar- barbarian- barbarians of Lemuria. I will have a link to that. He's in our Discord and... Puts in his his podcast on occasion. And thought maybe somebody might want to check that out. I thought it was, it was so. Pretty good. Speaking of, I'll throw this at Barbarians of Lemuria. I have been toying with picking up a copy. Yeah, you might want to listen to it, one it's, episode. It's, yeah, I, I know it's it's uh, OSR clone type thing, mm-hmm. but some sometimes there's some neat little nuggets in those. Sure, to grab. So they're not that expensive. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, it's giving Pete some love. Uh, the Zone, the digital tabletop story game of magical realism, mutant weirdness, and collaborative self-destruction. Kev, <laughs> our friend Kev Thulu said, hey, I'm thinking of Sean and Austin for this. And he tagged me in Twitter, and I checked it out. And I was like, I started going down the rabbit hole. And I'm like, huh. I posted it in our Discord. It's interesting. 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 I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of, Yeah. So it was made for the tabletop, but given given the uh, situation for last year, he ported it to like strictly digital, and it's like I thought I'll look into it. 
And it was like, start a game. And I'm like, okay, click a button. And then it would come up to the next screen. I'm like, what? And then I like, okay, you know, invite more players. I'm like, whoa, okay, we're getting into this already. Oh, so soon. Oh, so fast. Slow down. <laughs> Easy. Easy. It's just 2D4. We just met game. game. <laughs> Easy. Again, only 2D4 miscellaneous points of game in Greekery, folks. All right, moving on. Last one, Good Deadlands. Stuff, Weird West Savage Worlds now available for Foundry VTT. Oh. So not just Deadlands and, and Foundry VTT, but I also have a link to all the premium content because there is a shit ton of Warhammer Fantasy that's available for Foundry. Really? So, yes, there is, Brett. If you click that second link and you go to the website. I just did. And you kind of scroll all the way down, it comes up with like a bunch of modules, rulebooks, supplements. So... Um, yeah, holy crap. Cubicle Very 7, sad. I think, has dedicated some effort into releasing some of that so yeah wow i only put that in there because people are like oh foundry cool and then they play it and then they use the the stuff that's in it and the game systems and the modules that are community based but Mm -hmm. has everybody checked out what's actually available for all the premium content and the weird thing is dcc wasn't listed in there i don't think maybe i went right by it but i know dcc has an actual uh system for foundry as well now so anyways big foundry fan hashtag Sean loves Foundry. It'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see after um, things open up and conventions are a thing and people could show up without masks and, you know, we kind of, people more and more people get to in-face regular type stuff. How many people um, joined the hobby or really got into the hobby in the virtual world hmm. and want to stay there because that is their preferred experience with the hobby? Like, look, I don't want to go to Sean's house or travel to Brett's basement. Yeah, it's cool that he's got a game room and all, but I, this is my office. I have my comfortable right. chair. I got my drinks. I got all my books and this great screen. I, why, why would I have a suboptimal experience in Sean's basement? I I don't know, man. If, you know? if Doc and everybody's like, hey, we're all vaccinated. We want to get back in person. I may be like, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Drive over there, drive home. I got to grab something to eat. Hey, am I at home? I'll have a beer. Fire it up. Go to my, yeah, go to my fridge, bring yeah. my beer over. Like, I mean, there's instead something to be like, said about the convenience. Instead of, of like, I got a 15 minute drive through town, I better have a soda. Because I, I leave thing work I need. early and then I got to, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Oh, I got to yeah. take out my dogs. Oh, great. Anyways, yeah, interesting stuff. So there we have it. Uh, for this week. Thanks for everybody that's tuned in. What are we talking about next week, brat? We're talking about horror games. A little bit ago, one of our listeners asked us about horror games and trying to keep horror in the game, you know, humor, horror, that type of stuff. So we've talked about this a little bit in the past. Um, I'm pretty sure we've had a topic or two around these lines, but after six years, almost 340 episodes, bucket, we'll talk about it again. So there we go. I'm looking forward to that one, Brett. Not that I didn't I look so. forward to this one or the one prior, prior but... That, that's okay. It's all right. I'm fine. <laughs> bummed on my Hey, Brett. <laughs> it's not you. It's me. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, that's business. joined us live on Twitch. You can catch us every Monday night, 8 p.m. Central Time, uh, as long as Brett and I feel like it and are, are up for the task. <laughs> as long as he hasn't dumped me. <laughs> Otherwise, anyway, uh, Saturdays, I get on here and stream at 8 o'clock in the morning central time for a couple hours. If you like what you hear, go to your podcatcher of choice, find the audio version, 
and subscribe there. And then if you see this on YouTube, give us a like or subscribe. Otherwise, that's it uh, from us. For Gaming and BS, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS, produced with help from the following BSers. Wayne Peacock, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Sharp, The Duke in Purple, Tendrils, Stefan Dragonspawn, Sky, Rory Weston, Ron Bishop, Roger French, Roger Brasset, Robert Nemeth, Rich Wishon, Ray Otis, Quigley Malcolm, Pure Mongrel, Phil McClory, Perry Besor, Orcus Dorcus, Old School DM, Old Schoozer Roleplaying, Niall Diamond, Mirko Froilich, Miniature Master, Mike Hess Jr., Mike Coleman, Michael O'Holland, Michael Dinos, Melissa Bashinsky, Mark Tasaka, Mark Richmond, Larry Hollis, Larry Hout, Laramie Wall, Kevin Keneally, Josh Wallace, John Keyword, Joe Swick, Jim Ingram, Jim Fitzpatrick, Jeff Seifert, Jeff Goad, Jay Plata, Jason Hobbs, Jared Rasher, Isaiah Aries Christian, Hoos Carl, Howard Bishop, Henry Newcomb, Harrigan, Ghost GM, George Sedgwick, Eric Tavola, Eric Frankhouse, Eric Salzweedle, Eric Jeppesen, Eric Avia. Eileen Barnes, Ed Nyes, David F. Baylog, Daniel Garrett, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Curtis Takahashi, Craig Shipman, Craig Huber, Craig, Corey Welch, Corey Gonzalez, Cole Kago, Chuck, Chris Steele, Chris Shore, Chad Glayman, Brian Rumble, Brian Kurtz, Bob Fletcher, AWOL Trooper, Angus, Andy Olson, Andy Hall, Adam Grotejohn, Aaron Ralia, Aaron Coleman, and One Dollar Adventure Frameworks. Hey, do us a favor. Get this up on your podcatcher subscribe hit that subscribe button believe it or not some folks may listen to us and not even subscribe so smash that subscribe button well don't don't smash it hit it with your finger gently caressing it gingerly okay this is getting weird you know the deal just hit the button subscribe thanks bsers this This has has been been a litter box studio production. production